0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio.
1: This week, we welcome the supple leopard himself. That's right. Kelly Starrett joins the crew to discuss how the times are a change in. What has this past year taught us about coaching? Well, it's that no amount of pivoting to virtual coaching can really substitute that in-person experience. That and that given a sexy enough Instagram account, anyone can become your PT guru. Or so they think. Here it is, episode 527.
0: I think you have to, one of the things I think parents know that we do is we slide, like so many things, we slide into these agreements sort of and then, you know, back in like, holy moly, I didn't realize what I was getting into instead of sort of coming in. You know, our girls have to turn in their phones, for example, in the evening. You know, like there's just some non-negotiables that way.
2: Yeah, that, uh, yeah, like no sleeping with the, the phone in the room. I mean, there's, yeah, like six o'clock, you got to put them in a basket type of a deal.
0: Yeah. Well, at six o'clock, I mean, you are the meanest dad ever. Obviously, oh. it's, it's 6 in our family.
2: You're ruining everything, you're ruining my life.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you, um, if you have a teenager, this, so Georgia now is 16. Um, John God has- damn it, I feel old well uh (laughs) that's affirmative um but georgia has an incredible boyfriend who uh is a rising senior he's a member of our family and i'll tell you what's amazing about that is that they're like an old married couple so we basically married her all the time (laughs) pretty much they they've we've married georgia off and now she's just like a homebody and like they want to just like make snacks and cuddle and and so, if you want your kid not to have to go out on the Instagram and and uh, you know, sure, but definitely just marry her off. I'm mm. sure I'm going to get lots of hate mail about this. But uh,
2: was fine. it an arranged marriage? Did you get like any goats or anything in a dowry? <laughs>
0: um, no, I, I think it goes the other direction. But uh, he got a great, um, you know, some bike parts. You know, we're, look, I, I'm <laughs> I this may be very unpopular, but I'm pretty sure that arranged marriages have about a 50% chance of success. And if you choose yourself, it's about 50% chance of success. So, Juliet and I are like, why not us? Why not us? We can do a better job.
2: Mm, I, I think that uh, makes a lot more sense. I mean, and is it really 50-50 if you make your own decisions? I think it's about 70-30. <laughs> I mean, with the success.
0: <laughs> you may be right about that. It's uh, it's bonkers. But, you know, I the problem with uh, this current boyfriend is that uh, he's really great and uh, <laughs> the, you know, George is going to be doomed, you know, if she ever has to date someone else, you know.
2: Well, I mean, aren't you kind of hoping for, like, a young heartbreak?
0: Uh, I think it's a lot of practice. Just like everything else, it's practice, you know. I, I get like, nervous
2: it, 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 if, like, uh, like let's say you've never failed or you've never had heartbreak until you were, like, in your 30s or 40s. Mm, like, I think that lacks resiliency. I think you got to face this stuff at a young age.
0: Well, um... I don't think you have to put that uh, in front of your kids. I think they'll find it for themselves. So this isn't George's first boyfriend, it's George's first serious boyfriend. So, Mm. uh, but I don't think she's had her heart broken yet. You know, I'm thinking that's right. I'd rather, the the key key here is, do you wanna just keep modeling shitty relationships or do you wanna practice with a really good relationship?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think if you can find a, a kid who's that switched on, I mean, I think girls tend to be a little bit more emotionally advanced. I mean, think about I mean, wait, whoa, like, whoa,
0: whoa, 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 easy there, <laughs> I mean,
2: uh, Kelly, think about Kelly Starrett or even John Wilburn, senior in high school, nope. totally not prepared for this, I mean, we had kids in their thirties, and I don't even know if we were prepared for that this this is true, one hundred percent, so how's everything going, long time, no talk
0: oh man, uh, you know we're um it is interesting times, you know uh we're we're doing great, we got we just got back from uh a little trip to Idaho where we're mountain biking and hiking and, you know, trying to refill the tanks a little bit, things are starting to open back up. And uh, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but there's no end of work, which is really good. And sort of professionally, I feel like maybe we saw the death of what I think is peak fitness a little bit, Mm -hmm. which was um, CBD nail polish, MCT oil, toothpaste just before COVID there was, I think we were just sort of peak bullshit in the world and I and uh some of that has gone away a little bit C, and D. oh
2: shit that's what I literally funny. was
0: like I you know I have these instincts sometimes and I don't know if you're you feel that way too but uh, I'm just like when do I get to earn my citizenship again and go back to farming the fields leave the the battlefields of Rome and just go be a farmer again like this is really sometimes I'm like it's not fucking worth it it's not And then I really realized that I am so inspired by all the coaching going on and the bright nerdy friends I have that uh, it's worth fighting. But there's a moment someday in the future where I'm going to just disappear. (laughs) Yeah, uh, like Kaiser fucking so say. Dude, that is the dream. The Kaiser rule is the goal. That is really the the dream. But, you know, it's fun right now. Uh, Again, you know, one of the things that I've seen is this generation of coaches like yourselves, Um, it's been a minute, you know, you guys have been doing this for a second and you're no longer beginners. You're really, really competent. And I feel like I'm starting to witness a group of coaches who are now starting to become the old guard or the next, the the generation of coaches that were our coaches have retired or moved on. And it's really, it's up to us. So I, I feel like, um, you know, the depth and breadth of coaching right now is, is really good. We just have to continue to, uh weed out and destroy the bullshit. Because it's really bad.
2: The, uh, the difference in the, the segment of the market, uh, at least the way I view it, um, is there were people similar to us who were straight up road warriors, who went on the road, taught hundreds of seminars, dealt with tens of thousands of athletes over not just like a year, but years. Decades. Yeah, I mean, the volume in which we worked with people in person, uh, you cannot replicate that. And I don't care how many Zoom calls you have or how many virtual clients and how much online, Like, nothing will ever replace those in-person events. And being able to go and, I mean, we we talked about it years ago. I mean, you show up and you work with 50 and 100 people every single weekend, weekend after weekend, year after year. Like, there's no way for me to give new people that are coming into this the opportunity to have that much experience that quickly. And, you know, solve a lot of really interesting problems. So now I see this, uh, you know, where now everything's so virtual, I almost see that there is like, Uh, I guess you could say like a vacuum of really good stuff. And now it's just become fucking gimmicks and nonsense.
0: Yeah. I I really like that. Um, I sort of, one of my mantras right now is uh, show me your proof. You know, I'm like, Oh, you really are the world's most elite physical therapist or the coach, or you you have sports in your title. And I'm like, well, who are you working with? You know, you need to show me your bona fides, you know, because um, what I'm seeing now is a lot of people who certainly, uh, you know, I think it was rip a long time ago is like, man, if you, if you just put a good athlete on a bike, they can get stronger. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, you can give them, you know, all the Cybex machines and they become monsters cause they're already in, you know, genetic monsters. So it's hard to sh- see your work done at scale and the pr- know what, you know, like, are you proving it? So to something that you just said, I think is really relevant there is that, you know, how do you know what you do works? Well, we've we've run it against you know tens of thousands of people over decades, and at some point, you know, I can show you all of my, you know, all of my work. You know, we um, it, it, the recovery performance PT blend space has just become a a dark dark space, and. Uh, you know what this doesn't work that works of course you've got it wrong you don't have my secret squirrel program is the best just like anything else sure but one of the things that i'm always you know talking about with those people are thinking about is well who you're working with you know can i see can i see how your model scales at a team level can i see how it scales at a university level can I see how it scales at the military level you know how how do we wrap our heads around the fact that your n is you know 20 and our n is tens of thousands and so I really wanna see your work. And if you're proposing or professing that you are the shit on the internet, then uh, just show us your work, you know? And I think that's something we need to start asking people more and more, show us your work, who you working with.
2: Or if they had such a big market share, you would already know them.
0: Well, I think that's a really interesting point too. You know, um, we're seeing the big companies right now take a bite at fitness and health and wellness. Like Apple is a good example. So we, sure. we were really interested in the, you know, Apple fitness. And um, you know, i think they're i don't know if big tech companies are here to save us let's put it that way right i don't know if shoe companies are here to save us um but apple took a bite at this you know at the apple and um mm-hmm. julie and i went online we're like they're like world's best trainers and i was like really i don't know any of these trainers you know they're not working in any of the environments where we're seeing people go to the Olympics or go to the military or go to the school bowl or, I mean, I just, I'm like, what are we doing? So what we see is kind of celebrity. Um, this is a, a good way of thinking about this. And I stole this from Jodorowsky, who uh, was the tour, French auteur filmmaker who was going to make Dune. He's just this crazy filmmaker, but he says, you know, he talks about cinema, but I think we can talk about fitness. And it's industrial fitness. And the point of industrial fitness is to make money. It's not to change society. It's not to change consciousness. It's to make money and has a simple goal and that it can be good and it can be very entertaining and simultaneously it's not professing to do what it's or it's not doing what it's professing to do. And the other side is this auteur fitness where it is a long slog to teach people to move well. I mean, follow the internet right now. And you know, again, for me, you know, Instagram is really interesting because I get to see a lot of people's work or what they're presenting as their work. And I'm seeing things like, you know, front squatting is just too hard to teach. So we don't front squat anymore, you know, and, you know, and what I, underneath that conversation is, wow, you know, I'm like, I have two daughters who front squat really well. And it's, you know, I ran a gym for 15 years and we seem to front squat fine. And if you like back squatting better than front squatting, that's fine. But uh, I don't think it's too difficult to teach. Um, what I think is more and more we're seeing poorly prepared kids who have zero background function in basic you know, strength and conditioning and more and more gimmicks, as you're talking about, you know? No, the, uh, yeah,
2: I mean, just the basics. But uh, I feel like all you got to do is get a cool handle and throw up some flashy shit, and instantly you're an expert, and there's really no chance for validation. So it's, um, like you said, it creates a dark, dark environment. Um, is there any way through it? I mean, other than when the internet just gets turned off at Al Gore's house.
0: Well, God, bless. I'm I'm looking forward. So you'll appreciate that um, every single day I say to my phone the word beard oil. Because uh, just the phone is off and I just say beard oil. Because my feeling is when it can actually listen and grab that esoteric couplet and then start to understand, that's when the singularity is here. That's when we really need to worry. So beard oil is like my canary in the coal mine. When the internet has to get turned off for our own safety, just so every once in a while, just say it to your your phone beard oil, and uh, we'll see if uh, your your phone starts to give you ads and talk about beard oil and beard products. I think that's that's the signal. Um, the way through it though it is frustrating, and what we have to do is continue to one is just be consistent. You know, there's no substitute for being a non douchey person who doesn't talk shit, who just talks about their own stuff, who continues to improve, you know, improve the ball. Um, And then simultaneously, I think we have to do and continue to do a good job of magnifying the voices that are additive. So it's not, I know that can feel recursive and like an echo chamber, but you know, I really try to point at and reference the people who are important to me all the time, you know, and show my associations so that people can understand sort of the networks behind what is, and if you're seeing a, a person out, you know, it's just easy to comment on the internet. Um, the number of comments about Conor McGregor's leg from experts about, you know, hypotheses is a good example of what's going on with what I'm talking about, right? Oh,
2: everybody's an expert.
0: It's true, and, and there's, you know, there's a great, I think it was in, uh, what was the, it was in a more right-wing article, right-wing magazine, um, but it's called The Death of Expertise and maybe the National Review, um, but it's worth looking up this article called The Death of Expertise, because what you're going to see is exactly what we're talking about. You really can't tell. And it's a pseudo-scientific, it's pseudo-intellectualism where it's easy to you know, present yourself as an expert and to discount people who literally you know, have spent their lives working on a problem or a set of problems. So it's interesting. I mean, yesterday uh, we put up a a post about something i really feel strongly about which is a lot of us have strength conditioning models or human movement models um you guys have a really cogent and coherent strength conditioning model right and you know um fostering and and developing athleticism well there you you go i mean
2: it's it's really pretty simple and if it doesn't play back into the model to develop and foster athleticism then it doesn't fit within the model and it allows us to always keep a true north. And when I look at all this stuff, I'm like, great, how does this affect athleticism? How do you understand athleticism? Like, how do you understand human movement? What's the blueprint, all these other pieces? And then it just makes everything really simple and you never lose sight yes. of it. And you don't get stuck. And when you encounter new things, you bring them in, you try them out, you see how they fit. Like, uh, we had Chris Stuffin here in the podcast room. He came and visited. And we were talking about um, his Kratos, the, uh, the flywheel deal. And then he went on to talk about the world's greatest physical therapist, Kelly Starrett, loves this thing. And it was funny. He didn't even know that you and I have history and have known each other as long. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) and he's like, oh, Kelly uses this thing. And he like went off about how much you dig it and this. And I'm like, I really dig the flywheel. I ordered ordered one. We have one uh, coming to us because I'm like, it's killer. I mean, like I can see the practical application. Other intelligent people will look at it and see the application too for how it
0: fits within their model. And that's exactly right. And what we, what we haven't done for people is given them a model for understanding. And any good model has to do three things. And this is so crucial. If you're trying to evaluate someone's, you know, ninja program that they're, they're talking about, it has to do th- three things. One, does it explain current phenomenon? You know, help me understand what's happening now. Does your model explain that, Right. And your model definitely does. Does it make me a better athlete? Not, am I better in the gym? That's cute, but we know that a lot of really the world's best athletes, not really great in the gym. And something you and I've talked about a long time was something like CrossFit did a really good job of making great athletes look stupid and mediocre athletes look really good because they can go up and down and count to a hundred. And again, I love CrossFit and don't get me wrong.
2: Comma. Well, well, what do we say? The greatest trick the devil the devil ever played. <laughs> Substitute Greg Lassman was convincing the world that that work capacity and athleticism were the same thing.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, no, no. I mean, and and if you think <laughs> if you're if you're if you're ready to throw a cross run of the bus, let me introduce you to Peloton, right? Let me introduce oh. you to you know anything where we can measure a wattage and you don't actually have to move your body in space or interact with another human being or have hand eye coordination or. Be explosive i mean it's welcome to the game right well we're, there's there's
2: no coordination we're aspect well i mean there's no coordination there's no balance there's no element just like hang on to the bike and pedal while interacting with your imaginary friends in your house it's sounds re- fucking awful <laughs>
0: there was actually a black mirror about that right dark mirror about that episode Did you guys see that uh-uh. where the guys he's he's got to pedal away to earn credits to uh like feed himself and then he pedals to earn credits to feed himself and like
1: like a mouse on a wheel
0: Ugh. yeah and the, the ads come on and in order to silence the ads in your life all the time you have to pay credits that you have earned on the bike like it's it's a really amusement. So I I think we're not far from there for sure. And uh, you know, I, I think we have, and I don't know if this is um, you know, an artifact. I I think it's an, it's a normal expression of every maturing system that we become obsessed with a thing until it matures in the gym. You know, some of you guys listening grew up in football programs, rugby programs, Classic track and field programs where you were exposed to real strength and conditioning. You know, I'm like Bart Starr, you're exposed to rip, you're exposed to West Side. You're doing something a long time ago. You know, you're an Olympic lifter. But all of a sudden, the last you know, certainly 15 years, um, we have seen people, you know, just nerd the hell out in the gym. They just love the gym and the gym became the thing about how we would measure our success, which is what's really great about a closed ecosystem like Peloton or CrossFit. Really great tool, right, for developing some conditioning, maybe exposure. I I suspect one of the reasons that CrossFit works so well for so many people is that for the first time they had newbie gains, they had to learn how to swing a kettlebell, handle a dumbbell, basic barbell training, they were exposed to different, you know, time domains in fitness instead of long, slow, everything. So suddenly what we saw was the general capacity, the lights got brighter. We didn't add more lights necessarily.
2: Well, and and also I think um, at least the biggest variable that I've encountered, and it doesn't matter whatever program it looks like. I mean, we've, I mean, geez, we've written at least one, if not 12 programs every single day since March 31st, 2009. So, I mean, we've delivered. (laughs) I, I can't remember, it's like millions of workouts. The one variable that when I look to see whether or not people are making progress, it's relative intensity. Like, and I don't mean intensity, like I mean obviously percentage of 1RM intensity, but like how hard you actually go. And I think what was interesting about CrossFit is by pushing people to go as hard as they can every day, they knew that they could find a relative intensity. That's right. At a high level. The problem though is there was no, and I know periodization's a, a, an ugly word, but you can't work at a hundred percent, hundred and one, you know, trying to push, push, push every day, you have diminishing returns. And there was no ever a talk about actually cycling through this stuff and being like, All right, well, you know, let's throw on a heart rate monitor, let's figure out some of these other things. I mean, there's some That's really right. classic strength and conditioning that shows training in different heart rates, different, you know, time domains and all that. If you just go fucking max accelerator all the time, eventually the engine blows and sometimes it doesn't
0: and max accelerator means different things uh if you look at franz bosch and his work you know there's yeah. a lot of relative speed based where you know and i've started using that with a lot of kids so i'm i've got seven athletes going to the olympics right now and for the last month i'm like i want you to go to the gym i want you out in 45 minutes i want you to be springy and fast and the second you feel like you're going slower that set is done The second, the workout, the next set is slow, then the work, that piece is over, you know? So trying to get people in this last little phase to feel good when they leave the gym and springy versus look at how many reps I can do under fatigue where I'm not going faster. I'm just grinding, grinding, grinding. And I tell you what, if you want to grind, here's a, here's a pile of coal we can shovel until you, you know, you break. I mean, we can do this work thing forever and, and being durable and being able to handle some volume. Of course, of course, of course, but you're, you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, how are we measuring? And ultimately, you know, we want to, the second part of that model is, can we predict future phenomenon? So is this making you a Better. However, you're going to define that in your model. That's entirely up to you. One is does it explain currently what's happening, and two, you know, does it predict future, future phenomenon? Three, can we repeat it and communicate it? Because yeah. I think that's really what's interesting. So I lay those things, and that's classic modeling. So I lay over yeah. that that thinking over anyone's work, and I'm like, well, okay. So what I see is a methodology. What I see is a tool set, right? A set of aggregated, you know, and again, does it scale across cohorts? You know, do I have to spend two or three hours in the gym to become good at the gym so I can be good at the gym? You know, one of the the holes with a lot of people's models right now, or a lot of people's methodologies or what they're teaching is that I'm like, look, I can't actually do all the work you're prescribing and go do a sport. So that's fine. If you want to just be, look good naked, there's this thing called functional bodybuilding. It's great. You know, and you can spend two hours grinding yourself and look good naked. That's totally cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, Do but, don't, but don't get on a
2: bike in Idaho and try to ride up a hill. Ooh,
0: right. <laughs> right.
2: I mean, I mean it's, that's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, as you know, like that classic bodybuilding model, uh, you know, high protein, low calorie, you know, aerobic work and, you know, lift weights, real good to look good naked. But you put somebody in a situation where you're like, all right, let's go hard. Let's go this. I mean, they just fucking shatter on the rocks.
0: And, you know, and you and I talk about a lot of, you know, then what's essential that we need to be teaching all kids. How do we develop this athletic pursuit? And um, you know, this is what comes back to what is essential. And then how can we, You know, um, I put up something not too long ago too, just talking about that. You know, if you think you're really, you're shit hot and your shit doesn't stink, go jump on someone else's program, go play in their pool. Let yeah. me know how you do. And I'll tell you what, I can take you guys and any power athlete person follows that program and drop into any other program, I guarantee you they're going to thrive. They, they're not going to be specialized in the things that they're, you know, other people are really good at, but you can move well. And I'm not talking about, you know, one rep maxes. I'm talking about like, well, I'm going to drop you into this sport. I'm dropping this sport. I'm dropping into this training program and this training program. And what you'll see is, you know, if you do someone's program, that's a really good program. You should be able to go to Pilates or yoga and slay that shit. You know, you should be able to jump on a bike or play pickup tag or hike with a big pack on or knock down a door. I mean, whatever is important to you, it should transfer. And that really, I think, is the hallmark of what I'm thinking about now is where is the transferability? How do we know it transfers? Show me your work and show me your proof of your work, because I think that's, that's the problem, right? Like this, the, the foot, you know, foot turned out debate, which uh, is like <laughs> what I love to call a zombie thirst trap. One, it's a zombie argument. Everyone is unique and special Two, I haven't had any comments or started any Internet fights for a while. So let me go ahead and just resurrect one of these zombie arguments to get to get likes. So that's a thirst trap. So there you go. Zombie thirst trap. But, you know, I'm like, look, absolutely. If you're defining fitness as doing more work or going up and down fast, right, or being looking good naked, do whatever the heck you want you know, I'll come back to Franz Bosch, you know, there's more variation in waltzing than there is in sprinting, which means yeah. at low speed, low intensities, low power, low pounds, you can get away with murder. Sure. And then at, as soon as you start to turn up the dial on transferability, speed, power, wattage, whatever you care about, you'll see that there's very little variation in how people move, how they train completely different. And that's the thing we can argue about. Do you bench three times a week? Do you bench two times? I don't know. I mean, that's up to between you and your coach, right? And then simultaneously, um, you know, how well does this thing apply? What's the transferability of these skills? And I think that is this um, sort of glaring hole that I see in people's understanding of, you know, strength and conditioning. And it's okay to have things you like to do. It's totally okay to have a style of training that resonates with you and motivates you and binds you together but that's not the same thing as saying that your program has the most transferability and for me a lot of stuff drops to the side as soon as I'm saying how transferability how transferable is it
2: well I mean are they even thinking that next step I no. mean people are just trying to create some flash uh you know to create some form of allure so they can bring people in and you know hopefully get clients like they're like they're not talking about the I mean shit you know, years ago, as you remember, uh, the phrase, what are you training for, was always my classic oh. question. Whenever people would ask me, and remember they come over to us with all these training programs and ideas, and I'm like, great, what's the intended outcome? If we can start with the outcome on where you wanna go, if your job is to, I wanna go to the Olympics and I wanna do this, great, then we work backwards, and you use you know, specific, adapta- um, specific adaptation to impose demands, and we work backwards and we create something that allows you to uh, at least make an assault on what your goal is. And all too often, whenever we ask people, I'm like, great, okay, well, I'm, I'm hearing all this, but what's the intended outcome? How are you using this to further your people for whatever their goals are? And at that point, it just becomes crickets because there is no forethought. There's no end state, end game, and then a work backwards. I mean, think about uh, you know, everything within the mobility in this. I mean, like we got super geeked, as I know you did, into um, figuring out that a lot of problems that people are running into just comes from weak feet and hurting people's feelings and being like maybe if you did some stuff to focus on your foot health <laughs> focus on strengthening because remember everybody got stuck in this like collapsing knees and glutes and this and this and it's like at the end of the day ooh, fucking weak feet fix your fucking feet and now all of a sudden every time I click on Instagram there's some new Instagram dedicated towards foot the foot and I was like fuck man like 10 years ago we've been, 20 years ago we've been talking about this now all of a sudden it's be caught I'm like what's next and all these stupid things that people are doing to try to strengthen their feet, which are are fine, I'm sure they all work, but at the end of the day, they're not actually addressing the underlining issue, which is nobody's doing anything ballistic and they're not sprinting, they're not running up hills, they're never putting their foot in a position, so they're trying to do all this band and all this mobility and all this shit, and I'm like, but they're never putting their foot in the position that truly stresses it, which is to put your foot in the ground and go 100 fucking
0: miles an hour. 100%, 100%, you know, I think, you know, Again, difficult to always make your case. I wish I could go back and be clearer. You know, the reason we mobilized was to improve your position and restore your position so you could go work. And there were sort of two models to improving your position. You could do a lot of um, skill transfer exercises or corrective exercises, right? Which are tempo or isometric based positions. That's what a corrective exercise is. You're trying to remind someone how to move. But what I saw a lot of was, well, if I have a really good strength conditioning program, I don't need a lot of corrective exercises. You know, even my accessory work can be corrective exercises, right? But what we realized is that, you know, people couldn't get into some of these basic shapes. I'm like, look, you don't have any shoulder extension. What do you think is going to happen when you bench? Like, you're going to suck because you don't have any shoulder extension. So. Why don't we fix that? And then you can bench and then, then it corrects itself. Right. And then you layer in the technique, which expresses the best physiology. And then you have a really nice recursive model, right? I, I'm, I'm whatever sport I'm doing or lifestyle I'm living. If I don't have access to this position, then I can quickly fix or move and improve this position. Then go train that position.
2: But you have to train the position once you mobilize to it, to ingrain the pattern and so, where we got fucking wrapped around the axle is that people were not, they were basically over mobilizing and go not ahead. actually using it in a meaningful way. I'm like, hey, if we work on all the shoulder mobility and then you don't go do anything to ingrain it or, you know, we're working on the hips or whatever it is and you don't go squat and do something that actually uses it in a meaningful range of yeah. motion, yeah. then uh, there's no way to crystallize it and use it. It's just basically fucking jerking off, uh, you know, twice a day, you know, mobilizing yourself when I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, we, no, saw that and, we, we talked about this with the rolfing and also the, um, fuck man, we've had so many conversations on this with the yoga people, where they were so flexible and passive range of motion, but the minute we put them under load, they had no range of motion in act, you know, to actively load any of this stuff.
0: Well, that's why, you know, uh, one is you're 100% right. And two, the goal always is to um, create a more durable, functioning person, right? Again, so how are you measuring what you're doing? And um, you know, I, I think you really bring it up that you know, we need to make sure that you know, if, if, we, if we even took a step back and we're like, well, what are we really doing? Well, here's position. Here's what I think every human being should be able to do. And if you're a hyper-specialized athlete you know, going to the Olympics, we're still going to work on the, improving your positions. But there are some positions during sports-specific training that we don't have to worry about as much. We keep an eye on minimums. But if it's a sport specific training, the only goal is to improve your sport. Then we have general physical preparedness training, or um, you could call it a, you know, general adaptation training or general preparation. Right? It's not necessarily GPP. It's sort of a, a step up where we're where off-season. We can begin to reclaim some of our positions and shapes. But what we really need to make sure that we're keeping an eye on is Do I have the range of motion to be able to do what a normal human being should do? Can I control that range of motion? And so that was the definition of mobility. Do I have the raw range of motion? Do I have the tissues that allow me to put my arms over my head? And then do I have control over that? And then suddenly, you know, if you peel back a layer and said, well, look at, you know, what is it? Okay, here's a position I value. Well, how can I challenge that position? Well, what we've traditionally done is challenge it with load. Just make it heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier until your position falters, right? Well, that doesn't really look like sport. One of the things you brought up is that ballistic, i.e. speed, can I do this fast? And we see a lot of people, I see a lot of isometrics, a lot of things on the internet where people are training. And then as soon as someone tries to do something fast, their mechanics fall apart. And so one of the easiest ways to see whether or not you own a position is to add speed to that, to that position, right? Suddenly I'm like, oh, you're pressing let go ahead, Now push press. Oh, elbow flare, back noodle. Okay. Now we understand you don't understand that position. I do that when your heart rate's a little bit high, right? You know, one of my friends invented CrossFit early on. He would go run and deadlift. Do you remember that, John? I mean, yeah. I think you were doing that in NFL a long <laughs> time ago, right? Uh, yeah.
2: No, uh, No. We, we would actually, uh, one, I never pulled a deadlift off the ground my entire NFL career. I only already yelled. And then we would rest, and then we would go out and try to sprint as fast as we could.
0: Weird. Yeah, and what weird. you see is you're challenging position with fatigue. Your challenging position but you still have parameters not hey like well, as soon as speed comes down or we've lost our technique we're done and versus here's the amount of you know hey you're going to bail. you know you're going to bail for the next you know 20 minutes continue to move these piles of rocks right there's no demand and so we end up is less springy less powerful but then we can say well can you do this you know under a little volume conditions you can do this under a little you know, metabolic demand, suddenly I'm like, hey, you're gonna to have to do more than one rep or five reps. You're gonna, every once in a while, I need to make sure you can swing that kettlebell 10 times or 20 times. But then I can say, well, can you handle it with a barbell, which is a closed torque system where I can create rotation off a fixed object? And I also need to be able to do it with an open torque system where I have to create all the stability proximally because I'm handling a dumbbell or I'm swimming or I'm grabbing a kettlebell. Then you can add competition and you can just go on and close chain, open chain. Am I pressing and compressing? Or am I distracting and pulling? And all of a sudden what you see is, oh, I can drop this model of understanding that my goal is to challenge the robustness of position and the person I think who has the best command of shape. And I'm talking about full shape under as many different domains as possible. And again, you can tweak those domains as you need for your sport. That person is really competent and really durable. And now we have a way of understanding how good your program is.
2: So how's the knee feeling?
0: You know, it has been, I can't believe I waited this long, you know? Um, I was taking things, So, if you don't know, I just had my knee replaced in October. Um, I was skiing seven years ago. This is, I love the internet. Everyone's like, see mobility doesn't work. I'm like, yep, it doesn't work. And uh, you couldn't stretch that. It's like, nope, couldn't stretch it out. I had these gigantic chondral defects in my knee, and no meniscus, and it was just like grinding bone on bone.
2: Well, it's like when I had my surgery, and uh, you were in there, and he took rocks out of my knee.
0: Uh, they made little popping noises as you pulled them out the port. Yeah. Like, like oh. you know. Um, and what's interesting is you didn't have pain in your knee, and that was such an important moment for my development as a young physio. And I was like, we have to stop using pain as the only metric of, is this good or bad? Just do a bunch of work. As soon as you have pain, then we're like, oh, maybe that's not good. Like we need a different set of, you know, benchmarks to figure out, you know, what can we improve? Do we have access to position? And, you know, you had no pain in your knee. You just couldn't bend your knee. That was your main concern. Like, Hey, I'm just having a hard time playing the NFL without being able to bend my knee all the way.
2: Yeah. Cause I had a rock in there jamming in the joint. Um, Super weird. The the other thing which is, is kind of come to fruition is um, the popliteus muscle in the back has calcified, mm. and so the yeah, calcify it because, sure. it, uh, it basically put these osteophytes that are acting like a uh, like a door stop on my knee. Yeah. So um, I go and I have this guy work on it like every week to try to get some pliability back in it, and it's amazing. He works on it for like three or four minutes, and instantly my leg goes straight. And then I wake up the next day and it's this. And I've talked to a couple docs. Uh, I I researched some surgeries. I think they did it in like Korea somewhere where they had a, they had this and they went through and they did a number of a couple incisions into the, into the muscle. And then were able to kind of like clean it all up or move all that stuff debris. And then people were normal. So I've reached out to like a bunch of different doctors who were like that. We can't go through the back of the knee.
0: Yeah. It's pretty scary back there. Right. There's a lot of stuff stuff back there. You know, the um, you know, what you start to see is, Hey, if you can't, if you don't have full range of motion of your joints for whatever reason trauma right uh you've got osteophytes you've got changes from being an athlete or a mover your whole life whatever it doesn't matter you tore your acl and now you've arthritis your knee um what we know is your your knee is going to send signals to your brain to try to protect that knee and that may mean your popliteus gets stiff it gets tight trying to protect your knee right so um you know Juliet you know, had hip dysplasia as a kid and JRA had her hips replaced. But one of the things that would happen all the time before those surgeries is that her adductor was always stiff, always tight, trying to protect her hip. And so she'd be like, Oh, my adductor. And you know, what you could see was that was her brain saying, well, let's just, let's stabilize this thing. So, you know, what, one of the reasons we have always prioritized good range of motion in the joint is that if you don't have decent range or full range in the joint, and then your brain is going to work around that because its, it's, your, it's job is to keep you moving in the environment. And however it does, it's, you, so you end up playing whack-a-mole. So what you figured out is until that knee changes, that popliteus is going to be the thing. And so yep. what you've figured out how to do is, well, okay, this is the thing I need to do to keep as much function as I can in the knee. I have to kind of, the same mole rears its head up.
2: So with, uh, with your knee, I mean, it was seven years ago that you, um, you had the
0: damage? I crashed skiing. Going really fast.
2: So, did uh, uh, have people tried to extrapolate that uh, the mobility doesn't work or what you're teaching because you had your knee replaced? <laughs> yes. Is that of the aspersions that people are casting? Not but like I, I, just hey, one dude, once in a while. I played in uh, you know college football, football player. I know you fucking like uh, world class. Uh, you know, White Rapids downhill, the whole thing, skiing, running. I mean, all the you know. Uh, didn't you run like fifty mile races? I mean, all this stuff, and you bang yeah. your knee up skiing. And yeah. You went seven years suffering with it, because I remember yeah. you called me and you were like, "What do you think?" I'm
0: like, "I don't know, man. There's got to be like a stem
2: cell solution."
0: I really did. I was, you know, I I ran it to to ground and talked to a lot of people, and ultimately, bad deal. I'm young. There's no solution for this. It's femur and tibia, and uh, you know, I, I put out the the videos or the pictures, and um, of course, when they went in there, they were like, "Holy crap! You didn't have any pain?" And I was like, "Nope," and I had full range of motion. I just had. Yeah. If I put 300 pounds on my back, the grindy, horrific feeling through my knee was awful, right? So, I just deadlifted and swung and did step ups and biked and, you know, as as you age or you have trauma, it's okay that we don't have 150 things in our tool belt. This is why we want to have multiple tools, right? We don't, I can have a hundred things I can do and still function really well, which comes back to our original idea. The thing that we should be measuring is not what's going on in the gym, but our ability to express that in the real world, in real sport, in real life, in real demands. And for me, the reason I had surgery was not knee, not my knee pain. I didn't have knee pain unless I was skiing very fast or biking really hard. My knee would swell and I'd get all this other problem after those big efforts. But the thing that was starting to change was myself in the real world, suddenly Deep flexion on the bike started to ache. You know, I could ski with my family on a hard packed day for an hour, then I go sit in the car because it was like, just couldn't take it. Last summer, I was uh, we were portaging a class five rapid, um, uh, and I had my kayak on my shoulder and I had to step down on that leg on this kind of like over the waterfall and like a cliff thing, and my knee just was like, so like someone turned off my knee. I'm like, nope, now you don't have a knee. And I almost tumbled to my death in this class five canyon, and I was like, huh. Isn't that interesting? Not pain. Just like, nope, we're not going to do that anymore. I yeah. can't wait Bear. You know, I'd get out of the car, land on my left leg, hop off a pull-up bar, land on my left leg. You know, Julie be like, you want to play Frisbee? And I'd be like, ooh, got a Celebrex. Like, you know I mean? That started to get in my brain. So the reason I had surgery was because I couldn't do the things I wanted to do in the real world. Not my training changed, right? The training was a as a metric for how, but I'm clever. I knew how to work around this and maintain my range. I went in there and I could squat ass to ankle and I had full terminal knee extension. They were like, I understand. And when they went in there, they were like, holy shit, how did you do this? I'm like, well, there's this thing called eating right, training what you can train, keeping an eye on your minimum range of motion, taking care of your tissues, sleep, being a family that loves you, all of those things that matter and aggregate over a long time. And that's why I think I was able to buffer this as long as I could. And then now I have to be honest, holy shit, I can do whatever the fuck I want on this knee. I can kneel on it. I can sit ass to ankle. I can power clean. I can deadlift. I can run. I can bike. I can ski like I'm, you know, 18 year old maniac again. And I'm like, shit. I mean, what happened was I have a joint that will take force. And that really comes back to these, you know, this central idea of what we're talking about. There are certain positions that allow you to handle more force, when you can't do it, your brain down regulates your force production. This is why we, we teach technique in all things. And suddenly, I don't have to make excuses for or, or work around the problem. I'm like, what are we doing today? Let's go for it. I can't believe how rad my knee is. Comet still swells because I'm only like eight months out. It'll swell for 12 months to 18 months because the tissues are new, you know? But um, do, you, you know, do, you, do you think
2: because you went in with full range of motion, uh, it helped? Uh, like it helped because I know Matt's still struggling with range of motion, but I think his knee was so damaged for so long that he. I think lost it. I think that's right. You know, um,
0: yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, you know, if you start to become restricted, don't have access to, and then you have to look at what's going on. One of the things that was a big tell for me um, was that my my shin, like your popliteus, my um, flexor flexor hallucis longus or extensor house longus, the the muscle that basically flexes my big toe up, started to get pissed all the time. My brain was saying, well, let's stiffen this system up and and protect the knee. And so it made my shin really tight. And my big toe started to hurt all the time. Not my knee, my big toe. And um, so I started playing. And I was like, shit, I can't get ahead of this thing because I'm getting an error signal from my knee. And um, so, you know, going in with as much range of motion, and I did a ton of zone two. This is where it's useful to understand the physiology. I had done so much aerobic work that my vasculature was well developed, all the capillary beds. When they cut into my joint capsule, it bled and they freaked out because they hadn't seen a healthy joint capsule in a long time, highly vascular, right? And they were like, holy shit, he's losing a lot of blood. And the doctor's like, actually, that's just a normal capsule. You know, the other thing is, you know, because I continued to load this thing in ranges that I had, I mean, I deadlifted 605 on this thing, you know, the year in the year before my surgery. Um, you know, my bone density was through the roof. They went through three saws trying to cut through my femur. They couldn't cut the femur. And the, the resident in there was like, I don't know what to do. And the guy's like, Well, get another saw blade. That's what's happening. And they were like, What's happening? Why are, your, why are your bones so hard? I'm like, Well, my bones aren't really that hard. You should see my mutant friends who play in the NFL. Their bones are like adamantium. I'm just some middle-aged guy who's been deadlifting and squatting and jumping and landing for a long time, you know? So going in with the healthiest tissues you can manage and as much range of motion as you can, you know, really made a difference. And now I have to be honest. I mean, it's, it's bonkers how well, great this Well, uh,
2: the technology is so, I mean, even in the last three to five years, it's yeah. pushed so far that, like, you know, ten years ago, when um, you know retired from the NFL and like I saw guys getting knee replacements, it was pretty much like, uh, you know, you're like fucking Captain Hook with a peg leg. You know, you oh, might yeah. as well just cut oh, it all yeah. off and you know put on a wooden one. And now, um, you know, Johnny Custard and I were, uh, he's one of our our guys who's up in Dallas and he's uh, big with like uh, joint replacements and has a company for that. And um, uh, he was showing me all these pictures. Of like all the new models and all the technology and everything they're creating and he's like this is as close as you know people are going to get to you know their original parts um you know my big thing is just like how long does this stuff last and he's like honestly it's lasting a lot longer it's not like before where they had to pull it out every seven years he yeah goes, the way they're doing it now you're going to get much more time but it will have to be redone at some yeah, point.
0: yeah well, i'll have to put in another poly insert in there and that's when I start to say, well, you know, what are the movements that are going to put the biggest strain under the mechanics, right? It's not biological. It doesn't work, self-replace. It turns out running is one of those things. A little tiny range of motion, repeated, what is it 400 steps every 400 meters, something like that, right? It's a lot of, of, you know, duty cycles very quickly. So I go run hills, but I don't run, right? I go sprint the hill because sprinting is a thing that humans need to be able to do. So I sure. expose myself to sprints, regularly i push the prowler that is not the same thing as regularly going around and running a 5k every day in this little tiny range same position over and over and over and over so you know spread that out and then it also doesn't speak to the rest of the mechanics you know one of the things about matt for example is that matt worked around his knee for a long time and was really hard on his hips and so suddenly what you're seeing is if you compensate a long time at a high level there will be a cost upstream or downstream of that affected joint which is why we have to keep an eye on the whole system and sometimes, look, this is the cost of being a superstar athlete. You know, you're going to get injured. That's that's you know, you have a choice. You can either you can either just duck, bubble tape yourself, live and live you know, a sedentary life and die horribly, or you may injure yourself. You know, using what your body's doing, what your body's supposed to be able to do. Yeah, the uh, thing
2: I used to tell people is you have to be willing to set your body on the altar of you know, athletic, the pinnacle of athleticism, and set it on fire. And if you're not willing to do it, don't do it. I mean you get you got to make that deal.
0: You know uh and it is interesting um we were, we rode yesterday and uh George's boyfriend uh, is on the mountain bike team. He he uh 61210 superstar. And uh that hit on a mountain bike like gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like he's, you know, endoing off things and Flying down, he's like, I just don't really feel fear. And I was like, mm, Must be nice because I feel fear these days. <laughs> like, I remember how that felt. I,
2: I remember being 18 years old. I <laughs> mean,
0: like, what are we doing? I, like, you know, it's fine, you know? And uh, it's pretty, I mean, the people riding with Yannick were, uh, it was, you know, we we're all just like, Holy crap. They're, like, I don't think he touched his brakes once on this long, 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 gnarly downhill, you know? That's Meanwhile, awesome. you know, I've got, I'm white knuckling it, you know, trying to keep up with my, you know, my girlfriend's boyfriend. Impossible. But, uh, you know, the brain.
2: Saturday, uh, we went over to some friend's house, and uh, he has, I think they're called YT. Uh, They're these, like, you know, uh, dual suspension, front and back suspension bikes, but they have, like, a battery assist in them. Oh, yeah. Dude, I got on this thing, and you're pedaling, and it's like uh, superpowers. All of a sudden, I'm, like, flying up, and uh, we started cutting down and, like, going. It was a lot of fun, and I'm like, God damn, this is... uh, this must make mountain biking way more fun, you know. Just you know, sloshing to the top of the hill and oh I'd be like, yeah, yeah, oh fuck, this is great. I'm like, awesome. And then I jumped on a skateboard and I thought I'd tear it up for a second. <laughs> and t- totally hit a rock and fucking landed right on my hip and my arm and was like, that's why I don't skateboard anymore.
0: <laughs> that's why I don't skate. Yeah, uh, you know, I try to remind people. I'm like, hey, you weigh 130 pounds. When you go to the ground, when I go to the ground, it's not the same thing. <laughs> you know, and what's also uh, interesting or something that's come up, you know, is as I you know, one of the things that you used to do really good, do a good job of is, you know, you're, you work in the military and you had guys who were gonna be in Afghanistan and be like, let's take 10 pounds off you. Let's make sure that you have a bigger aerobic engine, right? You're like, oh, you're going to Afghanistan you or Iraq and you're knocking down doors. Let's put 10 pounds on you. Let's take, yeah. let's take our eye off that aerobic engine and make sure that you are explosive and gnarly, right? Yeah. And, but somehow we, we think it happens now is that we all need to have one weight and we're at that weight all the time. And that is the way we measure success. Right. And I have to maintain my strength, peak strength all the time. I'm like, what's again, what's your goal? What's your task? So Juliet and I have become like mountain bike has become our default, you know, pleasure sport. We ride and ride and ride. I work with specialized. Um, this is what we do. It's what we're going to do is we're old people. But Juliet and I definitively have the wrong bodies for around biking. I'm 238 pounds, I'm um, as skinny and lean as I've ever been, but I am bringing, it's like dragging a kettlebell behind me as I walk. That's how it feels. <laughs> and like, you know, I look and I have a watt meter on my bike and I look at my friends, I'm like, what, what, what You did you put out They're Like 170 I'm like, they're like you. And I'm like 350 watts. So I have to double your wattage to keep up with you, and this is also the lie of Peloton and the assault bike and right is that you like oh look at your wattage but you didn't have to control that that body in space so now I'm realizing I'm like wow I'm I'm trapped in this dumb big body. Well, or you just
2: get a bike that has the electric attached to it, and then uh, like I'm not kidding you, dude. I uh, I got on this I, thing and I, I own flew- two of them, man. I, I flew up a hill and I like came back and then like we were inside eating and I'm like on my phone, I'm like I signed up for the People's Newsletter. I'm like, God, oh, they're all sold out. I'm like, shit. I'll totally get <laughs> one of these when, uh, when they come back in.
0: We have, um, Juliet and I have two Levo SLs and so they make mountain bikes that have basically, like for you and your weight and size, I would be like, you need the, full, you need the 500 watt option, right? The 600 watt option but we have these, these mountain bikes that weigh 37 pounds and they've only put up 250 watts. Which, and if you've ever rode before or on a rowing machine or ever been on a Concept2 bike, you understand how much 250 watts is. So giving John Wellborn plus 250 watts evens the field. It means that you can suddenly not just go below carbon, like you, it's not just redlined, like where we live, you know, from our house to the trail is 800 meters and it's straight up for an hour. So sometimes we're like, do you want to ride? And I are like, whew, man, I don't know if I got it to like peg the meter for, you know, for an hour. It's just the entree. You jump on the, the e-bike and all of a sudden it can be a recovery day. It can be yeah. an aerobic day. It can be zone two. And that means you can do more work, right? I mean, what whoever does lifts the most, the most fresh, the most often, the wind, whoever can do the most work and remain the freshest wins. I mean, so what we see is, man, this is a great tool to get people out there and to give access to suddenly where you and I are riding and you're like, dude, I'm not gonna do this. The cost of getting in, it's gonna cost me three days. I've just redlined for, you know, I've been toxic. And for a bunch of middle-aged guys or strength athletes, who, people who like to lift weights, it suddenly gives us access to the backcountry, And I, I'm a huge fan of it.
2: Yeah, no, I um, I couldn't agree. I. You know, like, I I think I have a a Santa Cruz downhill bike that um, we would take up to Mammoth all the time and just bomb down hills, and then you take the gondola up, and it's it's fucking the best thing ever. And your heart
1: rate,
0: you're weirdly high over those four hours of bombing. uh, The whole time, like, so
2: when I was young and I bombed it, it was just like, how fast can we get down there? The whole time I'm going down, I'm like, please don't let me hit this rock. Please don't let somebody come out in front of me. Like, please don't let me fucking break my neck. Like, I I have this whole, like... uh, um, it's like this please conversation. Like I'm just waiting for somebody to kind of like come across and just poof, I'm like, please don't let me kill this person.
0: Uh, you will, you would kill them.
2: Oh, uh, 100%. So like now, like as a, you know, like when I was in my 20s and we'd do it, it was just like, how fast can we get down? How many rides can we get up and back? And now it's, and last time we went was a couple years ago, it was like, oh please don't let me kill this, don't let me fucking hurt myself. <laughs> Like, the last thing I need to do is end up in an emergency room and the kids are fucking, like, buzzing around. But What are they, like, Uh, 60 pounds? And they're like, oh, I fell. I'm totally fine. I'll get right back
0: up. (laughs) If if I hurt myself bombing downhill on my bike, my wife will kill me. Like, that is not an okay solution. Like, wait, wait, wait. You went off a sweet jump. And you hurt yourself, and I'd be like, "Nope, didn't hurt myself. I'm just just have a broken bone. I'm totally fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's sticking through. It's, it's compound pressure. I'll be fine." <laughs> Smells. It's beginning to smell of almonds. But just ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, uh, I
2: I got a couple quick questions. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I was just gonna ask. Um, yeah. So, cross or San Francisco CrossFit shut down.
0: Rest in peace. What a great run we had, Juliet and I. Amazing. Got more out of a gym than any two people deserve to have out of a gym. What a great. run great run we had and I can't imagine taking any available space we had in our lives right now and going back into a gym that would just crush us
2: uh yeah the day I mean the day I sold my gym was I never went back I mean it was the greatest day ever
0: well you know one of the things that uh, I was always worried about was well you know it was my test kitchen and teaching hospital so if I pulled that out you know what I would I lose credibility and then COVID just made that clear that that's yeah. not case. And then also I was like, wait a minute. A, all my friends have gyms. And B, I'm in a lot of high performance environments all the time, you know? So, uh, you know, whether, you know, I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the England soccer game last night, you know? England is a TRS team, you know. I get a lot of feedback about what's working and not working, you know. So we, I have enough places to test my theories now all the time. You know, my my living laboratory is going on. So I didn't need in the gym, but you know, whew, that was a tough one. That that really uh, that was expensive and brutal. And we, you know, uh, San Francisco, as you know, is a little bit uh, a tough place to do business.
2: Oh yeah, they definitely make it. Um, it's not for the weak or for the, uh, the meek or the people that are not fucking heavily invested. They, they, uh, California is just one of these places It's so hard to do business.
0: Uh, that's very true. You know, we had three more years on our lease. Um, it was very stressful. You know, um, this, is, this just goes to show you that you cannot shit your physiology. You cannot. Uh, last summer... Um, you know, maybe it was August, September, we're, uh, we're gearing towards, you know, how do we manage this? We Julie and I just basically had piles of money that we'd set on fire every day. That was called running a gym <laughs> in COVID where li- literally we were not able to access the building. We had three or four months where we could not go in the building, but we still paid full rent, all the insurance, all the utilities. And Thank what's you. crazy
2: is the Presidio is owned by the U S government.
0: Mm, you think so, right? Mm-hmm. But they just would be like, no, sorry, we're, we're a government agency and we don't have any control. And, you know, so they just let us fail. And we, we, we literally just, we, we had as many conversations as we could. But um, there's a little stress going on, you know, with taking care of our coaches and our people and, you know, 15 year business. And uh, I developed hiccups. I burned a little hole in my stomach and I hiccuped for 11 days straight. I don't know if you've uh, if you know what no. that's like, but that would be hell on earth.
2: Oh god. And
0: uh, I think it I think 11 days because that's how long it took for the pilot sector work but also I finally figured out that I put myself on a horse trank dose of gabapentin and uh that seemed to stop it finally. Oh. So uh but you know my point is you it matters nutrition sleep and I just you know I I 10 thing My point is it was very stressful and uh, Juliet was a champion partner in this deal. But, uh, you know, San Francisco CrossFit, no more.
2: Rest in peace. All right, Tex, what do you got? Well, in
1: 2019, y'all rebranded from Mobility Wad, world renowned brand, into the ready state. So I'm just curious about that rebranding process. Did the one, did the mission change? And two, what are some brief challenges that y'all ran into to remind people who you were?
0: Such a, a fair question. Um, so one of the things that we saw was that as we realized that we had information that would help more and more people, mobility wad was a technical term that did, was nonspecific and didn't sort of capture what we were doing. Mobility work out of the day. It was, it was made more complicated by this company called GoWad and RomWad, which, you know, GoWad basically took our course, took our book, and then put it into an app, and they did a crappy job of it. So really iterative, poor iteration, but also by making that name, you know, just sort of drafted on us. And Ramwad, which was, they're fine people, but, um, you know, did your know, range of motion work out of the day. That's not confusing at all. And, uh, <laughs> you know, yin yoga. And suddenly, I was going to you know, say
2: Ashanti yoga. When I looked at it, I was like, oh, I, this was Ashanti yoga.
0: It's Shanti yoga. That's exactly right, yeah. which is which is fantastic. Yeah, and, which is great. But but once again, let me just say that that was a conversation we were having a lot of. Well, why are you different than watt? I'm like, well, we're fundamentally different, but we have very similar names because they name themselves after us. So, um, one is that we knew we knew we needed to change our name just because you know. Remember the CrossFit when you were CrossFit something or other, and then you didn't have any control over your brand and. I can come train at CrossFit Balboa and train with Ron Wellborn. I can go down the street to blank and blank CrossFit. And it was the, you know, people were like, aren't they the same? And you're like, well, they're a little different, but uh, you wouldn't know because the name, right? I think that's fundamentally a problem with, you know this model, that old model. Um, So we also realized that, um, you know we wanted to cast a bigger net. I was really
2: hoping for you guys (laughs) to rebrand as Flash Mob.
0: Oh, I tried to buy Dickwad and it was already taken. i you think i might that own word. that <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i, pretty sure of... I might have <laughs> you should have <laughs> called me i would have given you the url <laughs> i'm not surprised that you're the person who owns it so uh, it's not too <laughs> late we can still do something with that um you know one of the you know eo wilson um evolutionary biologist evolutionary psychologist one of my favorites and he has this idea that the highest calling of of science to inform the humanities like we're supposed to use science to change people's lives, right? That's ultimately what the highest calling of science is. And there's pure science we should have, but a lot of science should be to inform our lives. Well, I really like that idea for fitness and strength and conditioning. The idea of strength and conditioning is to transform people's lives, right? And I really will say like, well, is that true? Is that what we're doing right now? I'm like, well, we're fatter, we're more diabetic, we have more ACL injuries, we have more spine injuries, more surgeries, more depression, more suicide, Choose something you give a shit about and then ask, is it working? And what you'll see is it is not working. So one of the things that, you know, I think one of the reasons power athlete has been so dominant and so true for so long is it was born in the crucible of application. This is what we know about how to make athletes go fast and be powerful. And then we're going to take those principles and apply them backwards towards mortal people. So what we realized is that, man, I had all of this information about formula one concepts. How do I manage a team? How do we, who owns pain? How do we reduce the session costs that you can work harder tomorrow? How do you downregulate and feel less stressed and fall asleep faster? And what I, that, my, my laboratory was sport and performance. And that was the only thing, because remember there's more variation in waltzing than there is in sprinting. So I live in sprinting and all of a sudden I was like, well, let's go ahead and try to help the rest of humanity. Let's apply these lessons backwards to moms and dads and families and kids. And that necessitated a change about, you know, being what do you want to be ready for? And, you know, the, um, I had defined ready state in the very first set of notes I had ever created in the course after working for, uh, as a small, as a young intern for the John Wellborn cross football course.
2: Very Um, true, Uh, very true. And you know what, Kelly was such a star that CrossFit got so scared, they like a week later gave him the course that he had been fucking pitching to them for like two years. (laughs) So dude, uh, Kelly pitched him this course, ah, we don't want it, they show up, they see Kelly present with me, and he had his course the next week. Like, it was... uh, True fact. Yeah, no, it was like, first of all, fuck them, but two, (laughs) (laughs) congratulations. But it, it's so amazing that those people wouldn't move until they saw something yeah. that they got. I mean, it, it was almost let us know that we were doing something right. That's right. And they were we, that scared. We were like, oh, fuck. I guess we were headed in the right direction.
0: That's how, that's how you know, right? So um,
2: It's the Ali G, right? If video games have taught us anything, when you encounter <laughs> bad guys, you're going the right way.
0: <laughs> Dude, that is great. I'm going to give you credit for that twice, John. That yeah. is really fantastic.
2: Yeah, Ali G.
0: Ali G. So... You know here we are uh i you know was talking about saying well how do we how do we create the most readiness with our athletes giving their life given the demands of the team given their injury history and really good strength and conditioning and when i when i say strength and conditioning i'm talking about performance is really managing what you can manage and saying that's got to be enough let's let let's trust the athlete to go out there and be an athlete So here's the best food we can give you. Here's the best sleep we can give you. Here's the best coaching we can give you. Here's the best movement prep. And then you're just going to have to control what we can control and some of that stuff we can't control. Right. That's that's sport and that's life. So that was the original concept of the ready state. And, you know, when I was like, hey, we really need to change the name. This was, you know, probably a year and a half before or two years before we changed the name. I just told Juliet, I was like, hey, we should change the name. So we just, I'm just going to go into the URL and just change the name. It'll be fine. And Julia was like, hang on, hang on. There's a few more <laughs> steps there. And I was like, no, 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 we'll just change the name. I just go to Instagram and I'm like, change the name. And uh, it, it's a gigantic process to rebrand. And um, it's like sticking yourself in the eye. You know, all the SEO, all the search terms, all, the, and letting people know. Website, you know, social I, media. I'm, I'm wearing what? the old M1 hat because I was talking to my old school friends here. All The whole thing. And, uh, you know, and we got punished. I mean, Instagram stopped us in place, you know, we were, you know, stratospheric growth and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we've been throttled just like everything else. And then just letting people know, but guess what? You don't win the internet. You don't win social media. It's just a tool. So if your whole value statement is how many eyes or likes, you know, phew, good luck with that. You know, I mean if you got paid for every like you had or every follower you had, that'd be a different story, but it's just a vanity metric. And, yeah, and, um, and, you and got for a whole play? bunch
2: of people you don't necessarily know, not interact with, and people that aren't really considered your friends. Like I always think, like if uh, yeah. if if there is an insight, like if you could list, like, like let's say you're 200 friends, or like like people that, that are close, like all of a sudden if I put something out, I should be able to go to see the insight whether or not Kelly Starrett liked it, or text liked it, or our friends, or people within it. Like I don't really care for a bunch mm. of people I don't know. Uh, you know, if 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 the people that are within my uh, established circle um like the content, then isn't that a better indicator than a bunch of people who I don't know?
0: I think it's I think you're one hundred percent correct. And um, you know, one of the things that we've always tried to do, you and I both, is we're always coached the back of the room. You know, I'm always teaching the back of the room. Cause, you know, peop, really smart people are listening and, and they may not be commenting, but they are consuming listening. So you're serving them. You're not serving the loud voices. You know, you're not that's you know, to your point, you know, some Joe Blow person doesn't like it you know, that has nothing to do with my job. My job is to, is to continue to teach. And I, you know, it's, it's been interesting of late because, you know, we've seen TikTok and reels change this algorithm dramatically. Like I can't wait to see John Wellborn on TikTok. I'm just waiting for that day. That's, that's beard oil. That's the sign of the apocalypse. CBD beard and oil. CBD beard CBD oil. beard
2: oil. I mean, with MCT oil.
0: Um, I, I think this CBD podcast is going to be the,
1: MCTB.
0: This is, this oh, is the uh, most lucrative he, podcast ever.
2: Kelly, uh, when you said beard oil, this is ironic because Tex and I actually talked uh, about beard oil the other day. And when Tex was talking about beard oil, I almost like kind of like closed my eyes and I shuddered a little. I'm like, you realize beard oil jumped the shark. Like, uh, It's like the... Hey, I'm starting my beard oil company. I'm like, Oh, that's that's fucking great. I hope sink your life savings into that thing because what we really need is fucking more beard oil. Well, we didn't
1: yeah, we're gonna oil. use the C B D and yeah, just and
2: Well and then when you brought it up, I was like, God damn it. Just like,
1: take C B D uh, into your beard.
0: Oh, it's fucking It's uh I'm oh, more Jesus. paleo, so I use the coconut oil branded beard oil. Um, you know, it's just that's more organic. <laughs>
1: I, you've led me to my final question, Kelly, and it's on your teaching ability. So I've seen you speak a number of times, one in presenting your course, two, we ran into each other. It was either NSCA or CSCCA CSCCA. and then, yeah, CSCCA. That was a small room. Do you
0: remember that room full of like every strength and conditioning coach in college? It was like, they're like, Hey, you're up here. And I was like, Oh, I'm in this room behind Cal Dietz oh yeah. there's five thousand people there's three mega screens here i was like oh yep. shit, here we go
1: and and then when we ran into each other last i think it was hps the human performance oh, yeah, summit yeah, yeah. something along those yeah. lines uh, for the army uh, mm-hmm. down in right. and then you had your your powerpoint up and it was just like now nah, i'm just going to talk and then you just work the room like a comedian <laughs> so i'm i'm curious of uh
2: kelly has <laughs> um and dude we've dissected this for years um um, Kelly's dad who's since passed away. I'm um, sorry about that. I know that was a big deal. But uh, he was, uh, I, I remember you defining him as like a narcissistic personality disorder. He had like that. He, like,
0: he was the great Santini. That's all yeah. I need to know. Yeah, so... Uh, he was fours, was captain of the football team. That's yeah, right, he's a maniac.
2: Just his fucking legendary thing. And I'm, Kelly's like, I was smart enough to be around him to learn how to like influence <laughs> and how to talk to people and how to mimic it a little bit. Because I asked you, I remember years ago, I was like, Kelly, like you connect so well, so quickly, with so many people. Like, I mean, it's easy in like one or two people, but when you get in a room of 100 people to be able to make those connections that fast, and I remember
0: asking you, and you were like, learn it from my dad. <laughs> Comma, don't put your face in the bowl of guacamole. Like, that was the, <laughs> the difference, there's a line. What I think is, I should put my face in that bowl of guacamole, but now what I think is, hey, I probably shouldn't do that. But it occurred <laughs> to me to do it, right? That's the difference. Uh, you know, Look, my mom was a professor too, And then I am a big fan of teachers and coaches. And so when someone is teaching or talking, I'm listening, but I'm also really paying attention to what they do, how they walk on the stage, they ask contact, like they make eye contact, you know, um, there's a meta awareness about teaching. And of course, you know, I think what the internet has done is it made everyone think that they are skilled instructors, right? And there's, you just reps and reps and reps and reps of connecting. So I've been teaching, you know, I started teaching kayaking when I was 12 and, uh, you know, started really formally teaching adults when I was 14 and, you know, a bunch of teachers in my family. And then again, i I really like coaching and coaching is my favorite thing in the world to do. Like, I don't, I'm not embarrassed that I'm a coach. Like you sit down on the airplane next to me and I'm like, wow, I was trained as a physical therapist, but I'm a coach. That's what I really love to do. And my favorite people on the earth are other coaches. I mean, athletes are fine. Um, but I really work with coaches. That's the thing, you know, it's like, people are like, Oh, did you get to meet these athletes on so-and-so team? And I'm like, nah, they're, they're going to come and go, but the coaches, they'll stick around forever. So those are my people. And, um, you know, some of this is, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap of, I have this big PowerPoint and I'm just going to let that go. And that's just lazy. You have to really work. And I believe that, uh, you know, there's a. Do you guys see the documentary It Might Get Loud with Jack White and, and um, uh, White Stripes, Jack Black of the White Stripes? And then um, uh, The Edge is on there from U2 and someone else, and they're talking about guitars. And Jack is like saying, hey, look, you need to be a little uncomfortable when you present or teach or perform. He's like, so if the microphone is one step away t- tomorrow night, put it two steps away. So one of the things that happens is if you're going up hitting rote play on a presentation... And you're not using that that presentation as an opportunity to try something new, to talk about something differently, to get, you know, so when I teach, I don't teach for them. I teach for me. You know, how can I be more effective at this? And so to your point, you know, I had some slides that, you know, that were important, but more important was me talking about what was interesting to me and sort of asking those questions in that real time and feeling like. I had something at stake and what's, you know, so when I go up there, I really want to be vulnerable and I want to be accessible, but I want people to understand that, you know, this is a conversation. And that means I have, I have my, you know, my nuts on the line as much as anything else. I'm not just going to hide behind a deck, you know? So I think people appreciate that very much. And now that the internet has taught us to be taught to all the time. I mean, my Instagram is just all teaching. I mean, and cat videos, there's a lot of cat videos, but lots and lots and lots and lots of teaching. So you get you get this example. So if there's something magical that happens when you're in the room when you watch John Wellborn teach, and I've done that a lot, there's something different than you know being on the internet. So that's why no, you're never get away from that.
2: It's way different. We we had the opportunity to teach continuing education at a gym, and uh, we got into it, and you were like, you still got it. The jokes are it. still <laughs> funny. And I'm like, I was like, it's like slipping on an old coat. Like you instantly get into well,
1: it. Well, that's what I observe through watching you, Kelly, and then. John, we've, we've had our material, the course that we teach, and then there's these offhand gigs, whether it's through NSCA, TSAC, uh, or any of the, the smaller speaking where we get to explore. And that's one thing I appreciated seeing you at the, the Human Performance Summit is that, oh, dude, I'm back in. It wasn't the same old information that I've heard before or presented or seen in your social. It was, dude, he's just he's well, flexing. It's because it's you're, always,
2: you're always constantly learning. You know, there's yep. always new material. There's new information. If I got to go teach what I taught ten years ago, then I'm fucking. Then we know we're selling beard oil. I mean, C- at that CBD, point, we MCTB. might as well just sell beard oil because it's it's fucking stale. And I think um, this is something that we run into all the time. Um, and I'm sure you do too. Where you know, the conversations we had ten years ago seem boring, but then I have to remember there's people that are just finding mm. us today, and I'll, I'll get an email from somebody that's just starting the training, just into this thing. That's right and it's asking these questions, and you're like, where have you been? Have you been under a rock? Like... uh,
0: No, I'm I'm just 16, John, and... uh, Yeah, and and we
2: we run in all the time. I'm like, hey, this is where you start. Uh, Follow this for about a year, and then send me another email, and we'll figure out the next piece of this.
0: Yeah, you know, you bring up a really important point around context and experience. And, um, you know, I think what's happened now is we have a generation of athletes and coaches, potentially, who have left real work. You know. there's no substitution for thousands of hours of working with coaches and being in a program and understanding the program and, and probably you know the one of the confusing things is that everything works in the beginning you know and so you know jump into a well-respected program and just live there for a while and make the gains and understand and try to understand what you're doing really look at and try to understand and then ask the next question and I think what happens now is that you can just leapfrog ahead to some elite understanding, but you don't have any of the foundational sciences. This is why you can't just jump into a PhD program. You got to take basic bio. You got to have fundamentals of chemistry. And, you know, what we see is the hyper-specialization early on. You know, one of the things that shocks me is, you know, um, you know, right now, uh, here's two, two sports I'm working with, for example, in the Olympics. One is with a young woman named Kate Courtney I'm just, you know, tr- try to support her and her staff. And uh, she's our number one mountain biker and world champion. She's one of the greatest athletes I've ever worked with in the history of the world. Like she's just 25. She and her boyfriend, Will, or fiance. I mean, this is the most savage woman who owns her whole process, is on the team. And it's, it's so motivating, inspiring to work with her. But that's cycling. So how well do I understand cycling, right? And then I've got these rowers on the other side of the pair and um, who are going and, you know, I'm programming for them. And, and because I am not just a cyclist and not just a row coach, I get really understand um, what's happening, you know, in both pieces and both pieces inform the other thing. Now add soccer in and then add all the other sports that we get to touch. And what ends up happening is I develop this real generalist approach where I, you know, I'm not just, you know, categorized or siloed into a certain place. So it really gives me opportunity to understand what everyone else is doing. And when Kate talks about her nutrition, I shut the hell up and listen because she's got the best nutrition folks on the staff and I get to really be party to all of the information. So I jump into a new military group, a new team, and part of what I'm doing is helping them understand their system and help them identify spots where they can improve. And also the thing is, they're showing me all their dirty laundry and all their methodologies which means that I get to take that information to the next group. And that is what gets missed a little bit, you know? Like go go to Strong First from you know, two months, let me know. And I'm not talking about be a dilettante, like, oh, this program, Matt Fraser's program is new, so it must be better. Or, you know what I mean? Like go to Matt Fraser's program, hang out there for a minute and really understand, then go to Rich's program, and then go really understand if you're a CrossFitter, and then go to Jason Klepas' program or Ben Bergeron's program. What you'll see is you'll begin to understand what's going on but you, it does take some experience. Unfortunately, you cannot short that process. And I want people to have a better depth and breadth and we're not doing a good job of that.
1: Yeah, I just had a flashback. And one thing I encourage is budding coaches, not just go and write program or follow the program like a beautiful opportunity in many internships in college, I had to administer someone else's program. Oh, yeah. So things that I didn't see eye to eye with, and John and I, yeah. especially when I was at University of Texas, big D1. No, he was oh calling God, me. And it like, hurts. It yeah, hurts. Yeah,
2: like, My skin is crawling. Like, this is going against everything we know. And I'm like, ah, it's but because if you take the world's best athletes, it doesn't really matter. They can play the fucking snare drum and they get better. So even like, (laughs) that's where you get into this with like, you know, oh, so and so, this professional coach worked with these professional athletes. I'm like, I'm not really that impressed. I mean, you had a dude uh, where you bring him in and you're like, all I gotta do is not hurt him and just get him to continue to do who he is. I mean, it seems pretty basic.
0: One, I think this is really interesting. Uh, You know, I want to, as we talked about, development is the right word. Um, I want to see how your program tracks. If can I administer your program to children, right. And different needs. And don't get me wrong. It's not, you know, heavy bench for my, you know, eight year old daughter, but, uh, right. But, uh, they, damn it. that my girl's floor press, you know, and, um, but the idea is those positions are in there. The development is in there and I should be able to understand. I should be able to take your program and scale it backwards and scale it forwards. And I should be able to see the through line. Um, There's a great book, Matthew Fredericks, uh, called 101 Things I Learned in Architecture School. And he has a, a concept in there called informed simplicity, which is when you start, there's only like a couple blocks. And you're like, this makes such sense, right? Oh, totally. Strength, nutrition, sleep, right? Whatever your blocks are. And then, after you've been practicing for a while, there's like 500 boxes in your room. Oh, this is kettlebells, and this is club bells, and this is nutrition. And and none of them are connected. You can't even see what the through line is. You can't see how they interact, right? The, The system is complex. And what you've done is added more complexity on top of a complex system, which is just horseshit. But then, as you evolve, what you begin to see is what is essential and how do these things interact? And that really is the process by which you begin to see the best programs delineate themselves and separate themselves is I should be able to take a child and then have that child develop right into a high school kid, right into a collegiate kid, right into a pro kid. Of course, the pro has more experience and the technical, you know, they're more technical and they can do more advanced training and they don't, they need, they have slightly different demands, but fundamentally position shapes principles. You've been talking foot shape for that child from day one. You know, my girls all know what a good foot shape is. You know, yesterday, Georgia had, you know, it's just the middle of water polo season. So I'm like, hey, G, I I want you just to get your heart rate up a little bit on this skier, because that mimics our rowing, a little sprint, five calorie sprint, very short. And then I want you to do a paused, right? You know, front squat double, at you know, 55 pounds, where you, when you pause in the bottom position and you step on the gas, you're trying to go as fast as you can. And we did that until her speed came down and the double, but that foot pressure is the same foot pressure. I taught her to swing kettlebell with and press something over her head and step on them and do an air squat with. So she's heard the principles all the way through. And the only thing I do is add slightly more complex training movements on top to get the desired effect. But what we haven't done for people is said, this is essential. What we have is people memorizing very complex dance aerobics with weights right? And they're, they're not seeing how all of these things are iterative. And once you really understand that, you can see why, you know, uh, Louis Simmons was such a genius with this conjugate model, because it's the squat. It doesn't matter, except now you're narrow and now you're wide. And now this bar is here, but the foot pressure is the same, knee pressure is the same, back is the same. You're just showing me you have, you know, fluency under these f- fundamental, you know, conditions.
1: I think it's a good point to end on. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks, Kelly, dude. It's great yes. to connect,
2: man. Thanks for coming on Power Athlete Radio.
0: Man, love you guys. And uh, yeah. you know, really, it's it's uh, it's. I listen to everything you guys put up. Keep doing it. You know, it's the it's the, one of the densest, best resource podcasts that people don't know about.
2: Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And dude, now that hopefully California is opening back up, hopefully we can get to see each other in the near future.
0: Amen. it's on.
2: Sounds good. Well, thanks, boys.
1: Thank you. Yeah, KSR. Where do people go oh, if they want to follow and learn more about? I know on the I mean uh, the website. Like I mean, uh,
2: all you got to do is look out for the cloud formations. I mean, it'll drive you towards a ready state. I mean, <laughs> like if you can't find Kelly Starrett, you're probably not on the internet, or you don't, or you're in a coma.
0: I like uh, you can just go to beardoil.com or <laughs> CBD MCT. So BD. we're starting our beard oil company. <laughs> little John Organic Wellborn, <laughs> or, uh, Johnwellborn.com. That'll Dickwad uh, dick uh, Dickwad.com.
1: Uh, if dick you
2: wanted wad. it, I, I would have given it to you.
0: I should have known. Of course you own it. Of course. Of course. Nah, well,
2: I, I got Johnny Wad, which oh, so I think good. is hilarious because you used to call me Johnny Wad. Johnny Wad. Yeah. And, Ask uh, me Johnny. Talk to me, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. So all that type of stuff. So
0: Amazing. Well, best to your family and you guys. Great. Uh, really, thanks so much. And it's fun to uh, deep dive nerd meta coaching because sometimes I feel like this is the conversation you get to have enough. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can find Kelly Starrett on Instagram at the Ready
1: State, or head to thereadystate.com to learn more about improving your Ready State. Until next time, bye.